In the 17 years that I've been working in churches, um, I have seen this particular issue come up in all sorts of issue, in all sorts of ways. So there are people that don't correctly define forgiveness, and it acts like a, a whip, and we whip ourselves with that. See, other people use it as an, an abusive ask, asking for forgiveness, jumping ahead and, and trying to control a situation or a relationship. And in other respects, when I teach on it, people will say a, a variety of things. Um, I'll usually teach on it in passing, meaning for about two to four minutes of a sermon because the text overlaps with it, but not give an entire teaching to it. And one or two people are, will say, I'm not sure about that. And four or five people will say, I'd like for you to teach more on that. And so I'm going to teach an entire sermon on it today. And then we're going to talk about other steps that are so important in relationship. And for this sermon, so important to separate. You know what I'm saying? So forgiveness is not repentance. That's why we need a whole new word to talk about repentance. Repentance is not reconciliation. That's why we have a whole other word to describe reconciliation from repentance. And one of those three is commanded by Jesus in a harsh, perhaps even unforgiving style of teaching. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15 says this. This is after the teaching on the Lord's Prayer. For if you forgive others their trespasses... Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus is stating this in a conditional, if I do this, then you do this. If you do this, then this. I don't believe it's a conditional transaction, though. Jesus is not making a deal with us about our forgiveness. Very similar to other teachings in the Sermon on the Mount, he is waving his arms to get our attention. Very similar to, if your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. Can you still sin with your other eye? Yes. So why would Jesus teach it this harshly? To get our attention about how fundamental and essential the spiritual skill of forgiveness is. This is essential to our flourishing. I've been using that word a lot lately. Talking about the Sermon on the Mount generally, and then the Beatitudes specifically. Jesus desires our flourishing and describes it in the Beatitudes, and then he teaches repeatedly in the Lord's Prayer and then right here on the essential skill of forgiving. Because if we don't forgive, if we are not able to release others from the pain they cause us, it means we do not, under, we do not comprehend the grace and the glory of God. We do not comprehend the depth and breadth and corruptness of sin around the world specifically, or around the world generally, and specifically our own tendencies to hurt others. Forgiveness is not the only thing that we do relationally. It's not the only thing we do humanly, but the way Jesus spoke about it was very different than the way he spoke about repentance and reconciliation, the way he talked about confronting other people, the way he talked about loving neighbor and even loving enemy. Forgiveness is not alone, but it must begin the process. Except for some of us who are not confident that we're made in the image of God. Some of us believe we actually deserve the harsh treatment that others have given. For those of us that, that sometimes tend that way, like myself, the first thing that we do is actually name the pain that we've experienced. But spiritually speaking, the first thing that we do is forgive. 
And then the next step is a wisdom step. But the forgiveness is not a wisdom step. We are not attempting to assess whether the other person has merited their forgiveness. That question does not concern a Christian. The forgiveness part of it is not a move of putting the relationship back together. That's why the sermon next week is going to be on repentance. Being sad about our sin, actually having a conversation about how we hurt the person or how they hurt us, and then learning to do better relationally. The third step is reconciliation, which is the sweet, sweet gift we're given when we're capable of and follow the Lord's command of forgiveness and then repentance. Then we get to reconciliation. But the first step is forgiveness. This is not a step of wisdom. This is a step of obedience. If you're a follower of Jesus, you forgive others. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus, Peter had been, you know, kicking around this teaching. He had heard Jesus teach on it probably more than once. A lot of people think one of the reasons the disciples were able to memorize so much of what Jesus taught was because he said it more than once. So in chapter 18, verse 21, Peter came up to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you 70 times, but 70 times seven, or 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Let me pause for a second. Some of you have heard this story before. Listen to this story again, or for the first time, with the question, is forgiveness a big deal? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's a lot. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. If you desire that someone else fail, you want them to be lonely or sick or crushed or hurt or sad, especially if they did that to you, and the response in your mind is wishing that same pain on them, you are far from Jesus. You know when it's worse is when it's secondhand, right? So it's not me. They hurt my friend. And we feel so pure in our anger, right? If you desire someone to fail or feel lonely or sick or crushed or hurt or sad because of pain they caused you or someone else, you are far from Jesus. 
And that is an effective way to do life, by the way. You can do life without forgiveness, and it is an effective way to do life. And it disintegrates your humanity. It erodes the image of God in you. This has nothing to do with the legitimacy of the pain that that person caused you, the one that you're wrestling with right now in your head, the reason that if, you were, if you're an expressive person, your eyebrows are furrowed, or perhaps you feel a bit of anxiousness, because people have hurt you. I'm not saying that the fear in you is not legitimate of relationship with that person, and I'm definitely not saying to text that person right now. Because that's another matter altogether. Repentance is another thing. That's why we have another word for it. That's why there are other scriptures that talk about it. Reconciliation is a sweet gift when we walk through these things, and yet the king's mandate is forgiveness. This harsh teaching, perhaps even this unforgiving teaching, on how destructive unforgiveness is, shows us what forgiveness is. Now listen, listen very carefully. What I just said to you, about someone wanting them crushed or hurt or in pain or lonely is spiritually abusive if we don't define what forgiveness is. You hear me? If that's all that you heard from the sermon and you got up and walked out, that would be me attempting to control you the way that Karl Marx described religion unless we do the important work of defining what forgiveness actually is, especially when we separate it from repentance and recognize why Jesus spoke so strongly about it. You know that every time Jesus talked about divorce, he assumed there were grounds for it. You know that if there's violence in your home, you should get out right now. And you know that you must forgive those people. And in some cases, you still must call the authorities and let them deal with it. What forgiveness is, is releasing your role in causing them the punishment that they caused you. And you have to absorb that pain. I'll explain why that's, our own, that's the better alternative in a minute. And I know how heavy that is. I actually do. I don't know your story. I don't know the specific heaviness with which that affects you, but I do know it's a heavy matter to absorb the pain that someone else has caused you. And you long for their good. That's what forgiveness is. I'll say it again. Forgiveness is a release of your role in their punishment. Though there might be punishment for them, and you don't have to block that either. But you release your role. That's one it's absorption of the pain that they caused you, and it's longing for their good. And you're picturing somebody, and you're like, is this a da daily thing? Is this an hourly thing? Is this a monthly? Or, yep. For some of you, the pain that others have perpetrated against you indirectly or directly, on purpose or not, we'll actually talk about intention next week, whether the person intended it for harm. That's important from a repentance standpoint. It's not important from a forgiveness standpoint. Not the way that Jesus defined forgiveness. We release our role in their punishment. We absorb the pain and we long for their good. Which is why it's so humbling to ask someone else for forgiveness. Which is not the point of my sermon today. It's not how Jesus taught about forgiveness. 
My hope actually is that all of us are a little more cautious before we get there and we ask someone to forgive us. We recognize the immense gravity of what we're doing. That we're asking someone to release their interest in punishing us, absorb the pain we caused, and long for their good. This is why it's such an immense, immense, immense chasm between sorry and forgiveness. Sorry is an expression of sympathy or empathy about something that happened. Forgiveness is, I hurt you. Please release me from that. Please be careful how often you ask for forgiveness. And if you're in a relationship with someone that asks for forgiveness a lot and understands it, and understands it, a lot of people ask for forgiveness a lot and what they mean is I'm sorry. If you're in a relationship with someone and they ask for forgiveness a lot and they have this definition, you need to be super cautious. Super cautious. Because it is not a small thing. We'll talk about that more in a minute. We don't wait for someone to ask for forgiveness. That's not forgiveness. If we're waiting for them to ask, hopefully we're looking forward to repentance and reconciliation of their relationship. But if you're waiting for them to ask before you release your role in the punishment, before you absorb the pain, before you long for their good, first of all, you think you're superior to them, and that's why you get to do that, and you're not. You're made in the image of God, and so are they. Second of all, that's not forgiveness. You're, you're, you might be hoping that the relationship is healed and fixed, and that's a good desire, but you still don't wait to forgive. This is why parenting is so difficult, by the way. Because when your child sins, especially when they're young, you have a very active role in teaching them. First, you're protecting them. And zero to five, then you're introducing them to the world and life and culture and relationships. That's kind of six to ten. Then you're interpreting for them. They, they have stopped coming to you for all of their information. That's kind of ten or eleven to fifteen. Then fifteen on, you're mentoring. You're alongside them. Well, at each stage, this is different, right? That's why punishment is so difficult because we are coming, as parents, our role is to come up with appropriate, proportionate punishment that begins with, I love you, and nothing will ever change that. But you can't hit your sister. I actually say their name, too. Your name's Caroline Kelton Blazer, and I love you, and nothing will ever change that, and you can't hit your sister. But you know what this has to do with forgiveness? I have released my daughter of my role in her punishment. So now I'm doing a move of care and discipline. I've absorbed the pain that of that sin, and I longed for her good. <laughs> and most of the time, I've actually failed. That's why parenting is so difficult. You can hear it in my tone of voice. Your name is Caroline Kelton, and I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Take a breath. Find your way to remember what we're actually doing. And some of you are struggling right now because you'll never see the person again. And you're wondering if that matters. This is how important this teaching is. If the person that you have not forgiven has been dead for 17 years or more, moved to Morocco and is off the grid, if you have not released them, you will meet someone like them and you'll punish that person. 
That's how profound our pain in this world is. That's how essential it is that we learn because God loves us, because Jesus entirely reconciled us to the Father in spite of our sin while we were yet sinners, and because of the Holy Spirit, we must learn the spiritual skill of forgiving. And we must do so immediately. So I want to give you a minute to picture that person and release your role in their punishment, absorb the pain of what they did and long for their good. And you were like, I mean, we're, I'm going to have to break all my fingernails clawing myself to that higher place. Here's the reason it's so essential, humanly speaking. The alternative is to become a cold person. The alternative is to become a person that's tick for tack. The alternative is to become the person that knows exactly what to do at all times and punishes everybody else when they don't match up with that. And that doesn't make forgiveness seem like the sweetest deal ever, but it is the alternative. You heard the Anne Lamott quote, right? Unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. That's true. And so the person that you are struggling with, or persons. I'm just going to give you a second. Picture them. Release your role in their punishment. Absorb the pain. Long for their good. And I'm going to pray for us for a second, even though I'm exactly, I've never prayed exactly halfway through my sermon, but I'm going to do it now. Father, would you help us? Would you help us to learn this way of life, this life of life you call us into? In the midst of such disorientation and pain, would you help us because of your great love for us to learn to forgive? Amen. The harsh teaching on forgiveness shows what forgiveness is, and it shows what it's not, too. It's not natural. Don't think that for a second. I think the sneakiest lie about forgiveness is we'll know it when we see it. And that's where sometimes our friends say to us, ah, you haven't forgiven that person. Listen to me, in friendship, you be real careful telling someone that. You make sure you know the story backwards and forwards, the history of it, the today, the potential. But if they actually long for that person's ruin, they're in a very dark place, and go ahead and say it, but be cautious and wise about it. Forgiveness is not natural. It is a, I, I think it's a horrible and harsh religious lie to think that we should know how to forgive naturally. If so, why did Jesus teach about it so directly, so clearly, so many times? Forgiveness is not light. It's not a light thing that we're doing. Though the alternative is horrible, it's not a light thing. Forgiveness is not flippant. A couple years ago, I was playing um, basketball in the YMCA League in St. Louis, and uh, one of our referees had this flowing, beautiful blonde hair, and we found out he had been in a soap opera, which is not important to the story, but I like saying it anyway. <laughs> and his name was Terrell, and he was not a follower of Jesus. And I mouthed off to him in one of our games, and I know that's very hard for you to believe, but it happened. It's not hard to believe? <laughs> okay, all right. And I went to him and I said, Terrell, I need you to forgive me. 
and he could, didn't have the category of forgiveness in his way of doing life. And he said, I know that's not who you are. And he had years of officiating me. And so in some ways he was correct. It's not typical for me to mouth off to him. But I knew what was in my heart. And I needed to ask this man forgiveness. And so I did. And he was like, no, no, it's not who you are. It's fine. And then we had that really challenging moment. You know that moment when the category you want to have a conversation in is not their category? And I don't know if you know this about me. I love an awkward situation. (laughs) And so I was like, what do I do now? Do I press into Terrell and Terrell and teach him about the New Testament teaching of forgiveness and let him know that I'm a professional Christian and this is important and I let it go. But he didn't have the category for forgiveness because he was doing life in a more you do this and then this happens way. I think it's a lot messier than that. Forgiveness is not a tool. Forgiveness is not the way that you control your relationships. I'm not encouraging you with respect to Jesus' teachings so that you'll go home and ask for forgiveness more. If anything, I want you to be more humbled about the fact that you will need to ask for forgiveness throughout your life. We'll talk about that more next week when we talk about a lifestyle of repentance. That's good news, right? It's the reality of the with God life in a fallen world. Asking for forgiveness is not how we make problems go away. It is the king's mandate, and it is primarily an internal thing when we are hurt by others. Do not go home today and start asking forgiveness every time you mess up. Pause. Pray. Think about your motives. If you have hurt that other person, especially if you share the same house with them, that needs to be a conversation. You ever asked for someone for forgiveness and you're really hoping it was a two-minute conversation and an hour and a half later you're like, ah, not sure that that's where that was going, that I knew that that's where that was going or that I wanted it to go there. Yet that's the reality, especially for those of us with children or parents, which is all of us, those of us that are married. This is a complicated conversation. Jesus' teaching is about our internal heart where we release where we absorb, where we long for their good. Forgiveness is not a weapon. And if someone in your life knows what it means and uses it as a weapon, you'd be really cautious with that person. This is not—forgiveness is not the last time that you will think about whatever happened. Forgive and forget. I have never found that phrase helpful. Not once. Not only because I have a pretty good memory, but— Do you know what is so much better? And this is where, while we're talking about a spiritual skill and essentially a tactic for a relationship and the first step, according to Jesus, in healing a relationship, what we're really talking about is the good news of Jesus. Do you know what the good news of Jesus is with respect to the pain that has been caused for you? It's healing. What's so much better than forgive and forget, which, by the way, is probably impossible, right? I mean, Dr. Vitale, that seems impossible to me. Would you? I didn't tell her I was going to do it. I mean... Yeah, thank you. I didn't tell her I was going to ask her a question, but she, you know, she's a doctor. What's so much better than forgive and forget is forgive and heal. The gospel is not forgive and forget. The gospel is not live in a tick-for-tack world with everyone. The gospel is release them from that pain and then take the other steps that we'll talk about next week and the week after 
to heal our relationships. The difference between religious people and Christians with respect to forgiveness is that religious people abuse religious ideas because they see an opportunity to control. Christians ask for forgiveness because they're sad. They receive forgiveness because the alternative is horrible. This harsh teaching teaches us what forgiveness is and what it is not and why it is essential. Do we believe we need forgiveness? Do you believe what God says about the world and how corrupt and bent it is and that you were born into it and incapable of living a sinless life? In which case, we're so thankful for our forgiveness. And how we live out of that as we forgive others, not because it's a light or a flippant or an easy thing, but because the alternative is a terror. The response to the pursuing love of God is to forgive. Do you remember the paralytic? Remember that story? One of my rules for preaching is stick to one text. This is the third text that I've referenced, so, you know, if you get confused or frustrated with the sermon, that's probably why. Although you could then forgive me. That would be clever rhetoric. Someone gave me that joke this morning but said I didn't have to give him credit. So. And now they get to forgive me for that. Um, so do you remember the story of the paralytic? Jesus is teaching in a house. Some very good friends of a man who was paralyzed lower him from the roof. Have you ever heard a good preacher talk about this? They're like, everybody's like dusting the shingles off their shoulders. They're like mad at the people, but they're like, what's Jesus going to do? And Jesus is brushing the shingles off his shoulder, and the man gets all the way down. And we need to remember that Jesus did heal the man, but what did he do first? He said, your sins are forgiven. And I think he paused. Because I think Jesus liked an awkward situation, too. Or, perhaps much more importantly, significantly, and truly, to help everyone understand, he was going to heal the man. Why? So that we would deeply understand what's more important. The things that bother us, that even the physical pain in our life, even the, the, the horrible situations that we think, if that situation were fixed, I would be okay. Actually, the deepest need in our life is to know that we're loved by the Father, which means forgiven because we did not lead a sinless life and never have and never will, but Jesus did. And we receive the Holy Spirit. And then we move into the world as people who forgive. Which does not mean we let people walk on us. It does not mean we are naive. It does not mean that that forgiveness was easy. But that is what a freed heart does. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask that we would have a sense that we are indeed forgiven and reconciled to you.
and that that sense would not only be something that we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer, and that sense would not be something that we only sing when we're at church, but it would be part of our daily living in such a corrupted world. Father, there are a lot of old wounds in this room. Heal them. Teach us to do that spiritual deadlifting of releasing of pain, absorbing and longing for the good of the other. Lord, we ask for wisdom in our own repentance and accepting the repentance of others. We ask for clarity about what reconciliation you have for us in this life. But especially, Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit to empower us because you do not command things that you don't empower. So empower us, Father, because of your great love for us and for every human to forgive. Amen.